Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Travis, our guest tonight, could correct me on this, but uh, I think it was about a year ago. I was, uh, I was still, uh, you know, halfway floating on cloud nine, halfway uh, thinking shoulda, woulda, coulda, because I would have been, you know, a couple weeks back from my first ever bear hunt out in northwest Montana, and um, the cloud nine part was I had just spent a week out in Montana and went bear hunting for a week. And uh, my good buddy, John Rasty, both of us were first-time bear hunters. Uh, Rasty came home with a bear. So that was the cloud nine part. The shoulda, woulda, coulda was two hours before Rasty tagged his bear, I missed mine. I missed the shot. And uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking at Bear Hunting Magazine. My, I have this newfound love for bear hunting at this point. And... Boom, right there on the cover, something catches my eye. It is the, I believe it was the same camo pattern um, that I had just been wearing on my bear hunt, but only this time it was uh, it was uh, north of our uh, lower 48 part of our, our country. It was up in Alaska, and uh, the guy wearing it had a giant grizzly cape uh, rug, I guess, rolled up and sitting on his shoulders and it was one of the coolest pictures i've ever seen in fact i'm i'm sure if i went back and looked in my uh camera roll i'd probably see the picture that i took of the cover to send to my good buddy alex gruen who also likes that same line of, of uh camo which is king's camo i have a lot of king's camo stuff and and our guest tonight travis adair he uh uh is like a pro or on the pro team, right? For, for, uh, Kings camo. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've been an ambassador, um, for Kings for, for several years. So it's kind of, um, so like a, like a pro staff basically. So yeah, that's awesome, uh, man. Yeah. So it's kind of, now it's kind of emeritus status. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't, I don't, I don't no longer like it's, it's not a formal, thing now i just promote their stuff and sure and you know so and i they um yeah they're they're great though great guys yeah yeah they make awesome stuff and if i remember right was it the desert shadow pattern that you were wearing yeah i love the desert shadow pattern same i use yeah that's pretty much what i mean you know i grew up hunting out west in the sagebrush and and also done a lot of predator hunting over the years and stuff and you know for coyote hunting and it's just it's just a cool it's unique pattern it's unique to western hunting and it's it's a it's a utah company and and um and so i i moved to utah when i was in high school and and really was getting into you know western hunting more and and um and so it's just it's just unique to to the west and it looks like the terrain i hunt and they're you know so 
And um, but it, that's a pattern that's been out for a long time. They've they've recently come out with some some cool new patterns, and and uh, they their XKG line is yeah, really fantastic, good high quality, and 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 it's a better value in my opinion than than any other company out there. You know, yeah, the so, price point is fantastic, and yeah, and you don't have to worry about it. You know, seams falling apart on you and stuff yeah. like that. Stuff holds up. I, 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 I'm a big guy. I'm hard on my gear, and and I use it in pretty extreme environments and things, and and it holds up really, really well. So, yeah, yep. sure, yeah, yeah every, everywhere from from Mexico to Alaska. I've used my Kings and just beat everything up and, and it holds up really, really well. Yeah. Even on a big, a big guy like me. So I'm not, yeah. you know, blowing the crotch out and, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Yep. yep. <laughs> uh, that's, and that's, that's like such a great testimony to, for a product. And, you know, this being the first gen hunter podcast is one of the things that when I first started this podcast, I felt pretty strongly about, it. I wanted to, find a way to communicate to people, Hey, you don't have to buy the most expensive stuff. You know, there's ways, you know, there's good products out there for a good price point and King's camo fits that very well. And, uh, they're actually, you know, so an affiliate partnership I have is with camo fire and black Ovis and you can find King's camo stuff almost weekly or even a couple times a week on camo fire and always on uh, black Ovis. So, Another reason to get over there to Black Ovis and uh, do some shopping uh, before your next hunting trip. But, man, so we're going to talk bears tonight. And I've kind of been on a bear kick lately. I've talked to uh, a guy who uh, just harvested a, well, I guess what they now call a grizzly, but what would have been termed a coastal brown bear um, just a few weeks ago. Uh, Eric Locker was the the guest I had on. He lives up in Alaska and... And actually, on the other podcast that I host uh, for work, the Prairie Farm Podcast, uh, we interviewed Steve Hansen, who will be on this podcast uh, eventually, uh, about uh, everything he's done in his life. And he was a, a Alaskan, uh, and he would call it brown bear, Alaskan brown bear guide for I think he said seventeen years, something like that. Oh. And and he had some crazy stories and. Um, now we're talking to Travis. I'm just on a bear kick. I didn't get to go this spring. We were, Alex and I were planning to go in Wyoming and, and, uh, everything kind of, you know, just unraveled at the end there for being able to go on that trip. And so, which was fine, but, uh, next yeah. year I'm really hoping to go again. But while we're on the bear kick, I thought we'd bring on the wilderness lawyer himself, which we're going to, we're going to have you weigh in and, uh, not give us any legal advice, but, uh, uh, just, uh, your opinion on a, uh, really, I guess a popular legal issue going on in the hunting world here, uh, very recently. And, um, we're going to talk bears. So, uh, it's great to have Travis Adair on tonight and, uh, all the way from Utah. He's got kids too. So he's sacrificing some time tonight, uh, sacrificing some of those precious peace and quiet hours, uh, before, (laughs) before you go to bed. But, uh, so good to have you on the show, man. Really appreciate your content. That's on, uh, Instagram, you put great stuff up, very, uh, uh, you know, really catching, you know, material that catches the eye, you know, that, that shows all the diverse areas and hunts that you've done. And, um, of course I saw you on uh, bear hunting magazine too, before I found you on Instagram. So, uh, it's just, it's uh, really cool to be talking with you tonight, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's been been a fun spring. I I uh, a couple of bear hunts this spring. I just got back from Idaho and uh, killed uh, killed my first cinnamon oh, color fade. Oh, that's awesome. Fire. So I need a blonde now to get my color face slam. So there you go. And I did that hunt actually with a Sharps forty five seventy. It was so a hunt cool. over. And uh, so I just wanted to do something different and unique, and um, with with um, some some high pressure loads, it it's a hammer. So <laughs> it's a, it, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll get the get the video footage up on Instagram when when awesome. we get the. I, I my buddy needs to he he videoed it in 4K and we need to get it downloaded and edited, but but uh, it just throttled that bear and that's, then that's awesome and then, then two weeks before that actually i was in alberta and i killed two two bears there so that's that's a hunt that i that i booked a guided spot and stock hunt oh very that cool I, that i booked before covid actually wow canceled twice and then and then last year i was supposed to go and and it got canceled last minute due to a family emergency. And mm. so it was, I was a long time waiting for that trip and had, had a lot of fun. Killed, killed two, two good bears. And, and, uh, a buddy went with me. His name is Coleman, uh, far, far, farrington. He's on, um, Instagram as well. He killed an absolute giant slob of a bear. Wow. So we did, it was pretty, and, and, and actually, <laughs> Two of the boars we killed were were literally five minutes apart, so we I, I videoed him, you know, the, his kill shot on this on this really nice boar, and and uh, it it ran like thirty yards into the brush and died quick. So we had just dragged his bear back to the road. You know, we're we're basically driving and walking logging roads, okay. and uh, that are you know the oil the the natural gas leases and um so we drag his bear back to the road and right then we just like look down at the back corner of this lease and this bigger boar <laughs> just stepped out walking right towards us i mean never seen anything like that and so first scrap <laughs> i didn't have my gun because it was his turn to shoot i had already filled my first tag and and so i grabbed his gun and and so he starts videoing behind me and, and the bear just kept walking towards us and stopped at like 60 yards and I shot it. And so he tagged out on two really nice boars and wow. literally five. I mean, it was just insane. Five so. minutes. Is that what you said? Five minutes? Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. That's so. insane, man. That is that is so cool though, and and what a great experience and spot and stock. That's awesome. You know, baiting bears is is, is good too and everything, but uh, man, when you're doing spot and stock, it is like you think it would be similar to deer hunting, and you know Travis's story probably makes it feel that way there, but <laughs> it doesn't go that way very often. It's oh. it's a needle oh. in a haystack most of the time on spot and stock bears, yep. but yeah you you know hike miles and glass ridge after ridge and and you know you could you could hunt a full day and and in hopes of seeing a couple of 
bears, you know, <laughs> or and you may not see any. And and I've I've probably spent more days bear hunting, not seeing a bear in my life, than I have actually yeah. seeing a bear, you know, on days hunting. And so, yeah, very unlike deer hunting that way, that yeah. different ball. So, yeah, yeah. One, one of the things that illustrated me. So I used to be a biology teacher, and uh, so you teach kids all about. And and if you're listening in, you probably learned about this when you're in, or you should have, <laughs> in uh, either uh, high school biology or even junior high biology, maybe even. Um, uh, but uh, the energy pyramid, you know, where you have the flow of energy through an ecosystem. It's very similar to like a food chain or a food web, but it's more of a math equation, I guess you would say, than than those two things are. And it's just it's just showing, okay, how, you know, all life requires energy. Where does it get its energy from? How does it flow through an ecosystem? And, uh, and um, it also shows, okay, based on the amount of energy allowed per level of this energy pyramid, the organisms found at that level will have an expected population size that is either so many percentages greater or less than um, organisms found at a different level in the pyramid. Well, deer would be um, one from the bottom. They'd be a primary consumer uh, because all they need to do to eat is find, you know, some kind of vegetation and they can feed on that and pretty easy going. But then when you get up to like a bear, well, a bear can do some of that because they're omnivores. But if they're really going to be doing well and thriving, they need to be eating meat, and they got to do some killing. And there's a lot of effort, a lot more effort that goes into it for a bear than for mm-hmm. a deer, and so their population isn't as big. And you might be wondering why on earth are you talking about this right now, Kent? If you're listening to this, um, the reason is it illustrates what what Travis is saying, what I was talking about. You know, you see a ton of deer when you're uh, uh, deer hunting because there's a lot more deer around bears on the other hand, because they're way up higher on that energy pyramid, their population is going to be much smaller. And so you have that going against you too. And not to mention, you know, just the difference in demeanor and characteristics and where they're found and especially in mountainous areas and so forth. So, but yeah, it's a, it's a challenging thing. So that's a pretty amazing man to, to have had you know two of them in five minutes that's that's got to be some kind of record but i've i've had i've had some crazy experiences bear hunting that are not the norm so that's actually the third time that i've had you know situation where i've killed killed two bears in the same night wow so and that was the first time that it so the other times was you know, me filling two tags. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Which is crazy. So I I had a, I had a hunt in Idaho, um, uh, three years ago and, um, that was a bait hunt. And, um, the, and and the thing is that there's so many misconceptions about bait hunting. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I had that on the, I had that on the list to get into that a little bit. Cause I know Mm -hmm. you've, you've done something. I haven't, I haven't done it myself, but, uh, you're right. There's a lot of people that get all up in arms about. It. Can you give like your, yeah? Well, you're a lawyer, so give your case here 
for uh, for baiting. Well, yeah. So the, you know the 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 idea that you you know you throw some donuts out on the ground, a big stupid bear is going to come in for it and throw caution to the wind is ridiculous. Hmm. I mean, the you know killing killing a a mature big boar in first of all they're inherently nocturnal scavengers you know and killers so they are to, to kill them during shooting light um for a big dominant boar is actually one of the hardest things hmm. to do as far as big game hunting in north america um and the, the you know the pros with baiting i wish i wish every state that had you know huntable bear population would allow baiting hmm. you know and and um because number one it allows the hunter to scrutinize the animal better you're you're shooting target bears yeah you know rather than on a spot and stock hunt and you're even bears are one of the toughest animals to field judge you don't have antlers to yep. gauge off of you know the, and they're they're, the genetics are different. They're like they're like humans. Or you know, mm-hmm. our body they were so unique and body structure and head structure and things. So there are certain characteristics that you know virtually all big boars will have and could get into all that. But but they're difficult to judge, especially if you don't if you haven't hunted them for years and overlooked a lot of bears. It's just really difficult to judge. So hunting over bait helps with that. Um, and then, um, also it, it ensures that, you know, sows with cubs aren't getting killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, um, and, and there are areas, lots of areas in, in the West in the Rocky mountains and, and, um, you know, in Alaska and through Canada that without baiting, they wouldn't, they wouldn't get nearly enough bears killed. And yeah, that's a good point. Um, just like like everything else, you know, with with um, you know the the ungulate populations, you know, they they vary a lot. Um, but bears, they'll find they'll find ways to survive, and and um, and they're they're very adaptable, very adaptable. And so they're they're less susceptible, in my opinion, to human to the to interference as far as you know the the their habitat mm-hmm. um and so you'll see it like Cal- places like california bears are coming into people's yards like crazy yeah. you know, and they're yep. they they'll find ways to to find food and, and adapt but um so it it needs it's needed in a lot of places in order to um you know to to get enough of them harvested and, and help the ungulates because they they take take a heavy toll on yeah. on the on the deer and the moose and the elk and especially you know when when we hunt them in the spring is during calving season yep and so they're they you know they're killing a lot of those fawns and calves so um so that's my i guess yeah. my yeah. argument pro pro baiting well and, well, and it's just the the amount of work that goes into it people have no idea i mean yeah you're packing hundreds of pounds of bait and just steep, nasty terrain. Like it is not for the faint of heart. Yeah. And for a long period of time too, right. To get that site to start working. It's not just like they go in and dump off their hundreds of pounds of bait and then, all right, we'll see you later, you know, in Uh, two weeks when hunting season starts. 
<clears throat> Absolutely. And there's a lot of strategy to it. Certain types of bait are not really going to work well. You can't just only throw sweets out, you know, or a bunch of like, it, it, it just doesn't work. You need things, mm-hmm. you need some things in there that are going to simulate some of their natural food sources. So they actually don't get sick off of it. I mean, as far as, you know, they gorge down on a bunch of sweets. They're not going to do that day after day. After yeah, day. that's true. You know, they'll disappear for a while. So, <laughs> So there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I didn't start hunting bait until, um, about four years ago, did my first baited hunt and loved it. Just, it's just more up close and personal and yeah. to kind of interact with the bears before then every hunt I'd done was spot and stock and, and, um, in, in Alaska and, and, arizona and and a few other places but um so it's just it's just different you know yeah. and and the same the same arguments pro baiting also apply to you know hunting them with dogs you're yep. you're scrutinizing you're, you're you're chasing target animals you know yep so um it's it's a it's an important tool that way yeah so you know and a couple other things too that i i I could say there with that, you know, identifying not just between a sow and a boar, but um, the species of bear, you know, we just saw up in Idaho, I think it was here the last few weeks, a hunter unfortunately mistook a grizzly Mm -hmm. for a black bear. And, uh, um, you know, I'm not trying to call that guy out. In fact, if anything, you know, he he should have known better, of course, but yeah, also he did the right thing he turned himself in like he this wasn't something that the dnr had to figure out through his pictures Mm -hmm. on facebook or whatever he got up to the bear and realized oh no i think i shot the wrong kind of bear and that you know that it could help with that but also with the hounds thing you know one of the strategies used with hounds and this goes not just for bears but for lions as well is people will harass uh, problem uh, predators with hounds uh, to kind of scare them off of an area. Let's say a, a lion gets a habit of starting to, you know, kill some sheep or something, or or mm-hmm. uh, hear honestly you hear about them killing a lot of like alpacas and llamas and stuff on on alpaca and llama farms. Um, well, you get some hounds that are getting on their hot on their tail every time that happens, they might, you know, they might be able to keep them away without having to come to a, you know, a fatal end, you know, a depredation end or something like that where, Mm -hmm. and of course I'm totally fine with hunting them, but you know, if people really want, want, uh, there to be less of that, less killing, well then you should be pro hound because that's another non-lethal tool that can be used to scare a problem animal away from an area where it's going to get, end up getting killed. Yeah. Not even during hunting season, during a depredation season where the meat can't be used and, mm-hmm. and, uh, everything else, you know? So, um, yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of good reasons to, to hear people out on both baiting and, and hound hunting. Yeah. And you know what, if you really, if you're a hunter and you're like, yeah, I still don't, well then don't hunt like that. Just go spot and stock. That's fine too. You know, mm-hmm. but, yeah. but don't, don't sit here. And if you haven't 
tried it and haven't talked to people like Travis and, and others who have and really gotten a feel for what, what it is that they're doing when they're baiting, um, then, then, uh, you know, probably hold your judgment until you do get educated on the matter. So, yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Well, well, I want to appeal to your lawyer side too, again. So today on a pick and bones episode, which comes out every Tuesday on the, on this podcast, uh, interviewed uh, Jordan Sillers from Meat Eater. On uh, he wrote this fantastic article on the corner crossing uh, lawsuit that's been going on. Oh man, for over a year now, um, with some guys uh, from Missouri. Four guys, I think they were all four from Missouri. Went out to Wyoming, did some corner crossing uh, to get onto some landlocked. Uh, public land and successfully harvested some elk and the landowner whose property private property uh, sat in between one piece of public and another piece of public and therefore kind of the only way you could get from one piece of public to the other is to go where the two corners on that checkerboard uh, meet and uh, they (laughs) built a ladder they did all of this stuff to get over uh, over that you know, to make sure they yeah. end, they started totally in public land and crossed over. They did, totally they did not. Yeah, they did not step foot on private land. Right. Exactly. They, so they entered. The, they entered the airspace. That's right. They entered the airspace. <laughs> yeah. They entered the airspace. And um, so I thought it'd be cool. You know, Jordan obviously covered this really well, so we don't have to do a total rehashing here, but. Like when when you heard about this as a lawyer, what did you think at first? Like, did you think, oh yeah, this guy might have a case, or were you like, oh my goodness, what a what a ridiculous uh, yeah lawsuit? <laughs> I I thought so. First first they were charged criminally. Yeah. Yep. You know, and then um, those charges. So when I read about that, I'm like, yeah, that's not gonna they were fighting the charges, you know, yeah. they weren't going to plead it out. And so I, I knew that the charges wouldn't stick, like just in re- reading the statute, you know, it's, they didn't step foot on, on the private land. And, and as far as entering the airspace, it's not like they created some <laughs> nuisance where they were interfering with any yeah. of the landowners rights or, interfering with their livestock or anything you know so so really the um um it was it was absurd that they were charged criminally yeah and it was it was really it was just the 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 the, it's a you know super rich landowner and they they put a lot of pressure on on the local you know sheriff to arrest them and then and then the the county prosecutor and so they basically um, it was someone with a lot of influence. And so mm-hmm. they, that was part of, I think why they were, you know, they came down on them so hard and, um, but they, they beat the charges and then they sued civilly claiming millions of dollars in damages. I mean, mm-hmm. just, and, um, so, um, I haven't, I, that, that's probably still ongoing. The civil, the civil issue and maybe will for years um, yeah so so, so I the i haven't looked the, into that in a the, while but yeah the civil case they won the first round but it's expected that the landowner is just going to appeal that to a higher 
a higher court. Okay. Would okay. you would you expect that to happen just from your experience with with? Uh, well, I mean, you know, the landowner will probably appeal because they've got their yeah. I mean, clearly they've kind of got a vendetta and out for blood. So, yeah. but the chances the chances of winning anything on appeal are are slim. I mean, it's always you know whatever whatever happens at the trial court level is is um, very likely to be the to be result. Yeah. So. Yeah, so it that just you know didn't surprise me that they would win at the trial court level. So I'm sure the appeal probably the landowner appeal probably won't go anywhere. So that's good to hear. Do you but, think? Do you think if they continued to appeal, you know, to a higher level, eventually would would the Supreme Court hear a case like this? Do you think, or would they they would throw it out? You think? No, that's you know the. There are the, the odds of any given case um, making like so when, when they apply appeal to the Supreme Court, it's called a writ of certiary um, there. The Supreme Court receives thousands and thousands of those a year. So okay. the odds of them hearing anyone, unless it's like a big legal issue that affects. I mean, that's the only thing, you know, that. This is a legal question that would affect that would affect people in other states. So, um, but I think the the odds, even then, the odds of the Supreme Court granting review of it would be pretty slim. Yeah. Um, but who, but who knows? I mean, it is an issue that that involves, you know, the it's it's you know a lot a lot of different states and 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 you know public land versus landowner rights and so it's but i don't think that the landowner really has much of a legal leg to stand on i mean that's the, the bottom line even if the supreme court did hear it i think it would be to um clarify how sure. and why they weren't they weren't trespassing you know yeah. so well, that's um, good to know but yeah hard to hard to hard to show an ascertainable way that the the landowner was harmed you know yeah. so it made some creative legal arguments, but do you I think, think it's pretty nonsense? I mean, how much, how much of a burden is this on these four guys? Like, are they bleeding cash right now, having to make court appearances and travel way out of state, and oh, or, or they get all oh, that yeah. back? Yeah, I mean, they their their lives financially completely destroyed. I mean, I think hmm. that you know, donations came in and stuff. And I think that it ended up, they, they ended up being okay, but were it not for that, they, they would have been completely financially destroyed. And that was, yeah. and, you know, and oftentimes in, in the legal world and that's, that's all it takes to win. You know, they go, unfortunately, it's one of the, one of the dark sides of, of the legal world. So, yeah. And, um, so it's, you know, rather than, than, each case being decided on the merits of, you know, the facts and things. It's sometimes it's a, it's a system that, that benefits the, the rich and the powerful, certainly more than the little guy. So, yeah, man, that's, that is a, that is a harsh reality to, 
to have to like come to terms with on that. But, you know, thankfully, like you said, the donations have come in. I know uh, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers has done a lot to support them, um, which is, you know, fantastic, of course. And um, I'm not sure if there, I think there might have been another GoFundMe maybe or something like that going on that people could help. So hopefully, hopefully it, uh, you know, hopefully it falls apart and this is the end of it. But man, you you almost wish there could be some kind of, what's the right term, remuneration or something like that, or some kind of restitution given Mm -hmm. to these, these guys, uh, from a you know from the local government there that pressed charges that they knew because mm-hmm. I heard enough of the story to hear that multiple guys th- this this landowner was bugging like conservation officers and stuff and they refused to do it because like no it's not they didn't do anything you know illegal and uh, then finally yeah, they right. got they got through to somebody who would who would mm-hmm. you know kind of bow to the pressure and. Uh, that's not right. You know, it's like yeah. there should be yeah. some kind of restitution from that county yeah. or whoever you know was the. Yeah, I I don't I don't believe the the charges came from you know like the local game. It wasn't the local game warden that arrested no. them. I think it was. I think it, they they the the they pretty much forced the sheriff's hand to send one of the deputies to arrest them, and so. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, you know, with, so, you know, courts in, in civil litigation, it's very common for courts to award legal fees to the, to the prevailing party. And mm-hmm. especially if, you know, if the, if a judge feels that someone's brought a case frivolously, then, then absolutely they'll get, awesome. get awarded legal fees. But that's, but that's about it as far as the, you know, there's really not any recourse to like if if law enforcement abuses authority you know it's um i mean there 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 can i mean there can be a, there can be civil suits over you know but things like malicious prosecution that's something you don't hear of very much as far as yeah. prevailing civil claims you know it's pretty pretty tough so they, they've got to do something pretty extreme as far as like it's not enough that they beat the charges to show like a cause of action it sure. would be they would have to have violated someone's They'd have to stack up some constitutional evidence. rights and be, you know, yeah, like mm-hmm. um, to have it really any kind of like separate cause of action. So yeah. that's why, you know, it's 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 important that, you know, and I completely support law enforcement and have, the you know, utmost ex- respect for law enforcement. And and it's um, but, you know, we it's it's important that it's. It's also one reason I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to live in the kind of community I do, you yeah. know, where, where have a much better system and, and, um, you know, so not, not all, not all places are going to have, um, you know, the same, same quality of, of, um, you know, local officials and, and law enforcement. So. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a very good point. And, uh, yeah, I hope they get their legal fees awarded. Of course, though, there's things in there, you know, you know, lost time at work, lost, maybe lost jobs, even for, yeah. you know, some, some of them, I don't know what their situation is exactly, but, uh, you know, that's, that's stuff you can't really get back. Yeah. And, you know, maybe mm-hmm. somebody else, you know, they've, 
They've yeah. been fortunate to have had a pretty high profile case as far as the hunting world goes, you know, and get that yeah. support from backcountry hunters and anglers. I know they went on Mediator. Yeah. Mediators covered the story, you know, yeah. from Jordan. And uh, they, so they've had a lot of support, but imagine if that was just maybe yeah. one guy who kind of stayed quiet about it and was just going through oh, yeah. this this process. Yeah, you know? if, if the hunting community hadn't rallied around them, their lives would have been destroyed. Man. Completely, you know they would have lost everything. So, and that, and I think that was the intention of the civil suit with the landowner, just, just kind of grind them into the, you know, in, into the ground. And, and, um, so it's not, and really, you know, the, from a, the, the legal, you know, the, really the legal issue is the landowner is, cl- you know, cl- claiming the, you know, it, the, the land, the landlocked BLM, basically making claim to that and yeah. well it's 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 public it's public land <laughs> it's, yeah, not, right. it's not on, they don't own it they don't they don't you know it's so um even if they you know pay to to let their cattle graze there they don't know the land or anything so right it really was kind of a kind of a everything was brought on really shaky legal grounds to begin with so yeah. Well, it's awesome getting your perspective on that. It's, uh, it's, uh, such a, you know, a high energy case, I guess you could say people get really riled up over it. I know I sure do when I really start to think about it and think about the injustices these guys have had to wade through and, and, yeah. um, you know, it's so far it looks like some pretty good implications for the rest of us that, uh, hunt out west and maybe uh, come to a point where we, we feel the need to corner cross. You might have some backing, but not totally sure on that either. And we talked about that with Jordan, and his article does a great job of explaining that. And, um, you know, so it's hard to say what, what this will do for people in the future. I know um, yeah. based on what Travis is just talking about there, you know, your life could be ruined if somebody took you to court like that and and um tried to really uh put the hurt on you and yeah and uh you didn't have the the high profile side of it to get the backing and support to help you bear the brunt of those expenses but um yeah it's it's something that hopefully lawmakers will take the time to uh sit down and come up with some hard and fast laws uh that either protect hunters or maybe Maybe the law just says, no, you cannot corner cross, um, yeah. which, you know, that would really stink, but at least there would be some, some clarity there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people don't have to go through such yeah. a nightmare like these guys did. And, um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that's dealt with, uh, going forward. But for now, let's get back to bears. Let's, uh, yeah. <laughs> let's talk the other yeah. thing you're an expert at. Um, and that is, that is certainly bears. Where all have you hunted bears, Travis? Like, what what states or um, countries well, provinces so i actually um got into bear hunting in in alaska so i i blew off college temporarily and uh <laughs> to the chagrin of my my parents at the time i i packed up and drove to alaska and got a construction job and was bound and determined that i was gonna hunt in alaska and and uh you know knowing it may be the only you know, it was becoming a rich man's game. So yeah. I needed to, 
Um, so yeah, I lived in Alaska for, for, for a bit and, uh, after high school. And, um, so I had a, <clears throat> had a roommate that, um, that, that had never hunted, but he was an avid fisherman and, okay, and grew yeah. up in the area. And so we were talking about, you know, going salmon fishing and he tells me, I, every time I go there, I see bears and like, seriously, are they black bears, grizzlies, like both? He's like, I always see bears. So like, uh, okay, this has happened. <laughs> We're going. Yeah. And so we, we, um, yeah, like the next, the next weekend, you know, we took a three, took a day off work. It was like a three day, three day hunt and, um, and did some salmon fishing. And, and, uh, anyways, that, that first bear hunt was just, it was insane. I ended up in, in a 24 hour period. I killed a grizzly. Not not a big grizzly, but killed my first grizzly. Killed a, killed my first black bear. Had a had a black bear try to come into my tent, oh. <laughs> and it was just just crazy. So I mean, I was that hunt hooked me for life. I mean, yeah. and and grizzly grizzly hunting is a whole different level of. They're just anatomically, they're just so different than a black bear. Like, you know, I've I've um, you make, you make a good ethical shot on a black bear. It's not going to go far. You know, mm -hmm. you hit both lungs. Grizzlies are just, yeah, built that grizzly's not, that grizzly's not on the ground. Even if it's on the ground and still moving, you just, you keep throwing lead because yeah. they are. And, um, so that, that first, that first grizzly I, I shot actually. So we had, it, we, we, I killed both bears the same, actually the same night. Within That's 24 crazy, hours, what, getting what, starting what, is, what is with you and your uh, short turnaround time for filling no, tags? No, I mean man? it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Like seriously, it, like half the bears I've killed in my life were, were you know these scenarios. So that's crazy, so the, dude. Um, so actually, what happened was so the 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 second day, the um, started with bear trying to get in my tent. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like face to face with this six six and a half foot black bear just right and oh so i'm scrambling God. for the gun and it disappears into the brush and and so then we we go and, and start hunting and uh that afternoon and the i i jumped a bear in the alders it stood up on the riverbank at eight yards oh and, man and i shot it through the neck and so we had just finished skinning out that bear and, and starting to carve on the meat when we spotted this grizzly 300 yards downriver in oh, the same man. spot that we had seen a grizz the night before, but it had disappeared before we could, before I could get a shot. And, um, so it was, it was like nose to the river waiting for, you know, wait, trying to catch a, a salmon. And so it was, it was distracted and with the sound of the river and everything, it was easy to go, got within 200 yards laying wow. prone and uh and put a put a perfect double lung shot and uh that bear just like dove head first into the into the river so my buddy and i are celebrating we're Whoa. you know high-fiving screw like oh this is crazy and thinking the bear's just like dead in the water right yeah uh, the um and all of a sudden just hear this 
that bear just launched out of the water like a like a missile and just crushing through the alders i mean you could just hear the alders these trees just snapping in its wake i mean it was insane so like moment of sheer you know like moment of celebration turned to and we were just we were just kids i mean we were in our early 20s like really really young so um I wasn't even familiar with bears. Yeah, <laughs> and right. Bear hunting was all new to me, and so I mean, it was just like every every hair stood up. It was just electric. Oh man, you had to be like, you had to be shivers down, down your mind. Spine, you know. Yeah. And um, so the after a bit, we the the bear the bear for you know a few a few minutes seemed like a long time. It was probably just a minute or two. Was it? They don't. In my experience, a grizzly, I, I've never heard of a grizzly really death moaning like a black bear often mm-hmm. will. Um, and so it wasn't like that at all. I mean, we thought we thought we were going to have like a standoff with this bear coming. <laughs> Maybe he was going to come back out and charge us or something. It was just yeah. so, the sound, just no, no audio you could listen to would ever give it justice. You know, oh, what man. that bear was putting out. And, um, like, was so it finally, was it, went, it, was it an angry sound or was it yeah, like, I mean, it was, yeah, it was like that bear was, that bear was like gasping its last breaths, but it was just angry and it was just so mm. loud and just, and, and, um, it was, it was like a horrific sound. It wasn't a moaning sound. It wasn't something, you know, I've heard, I've heard black bears death moan that have made me feel bad for him. You know, yeah, right. it wasn't, it was like, like horror movie <laughs> like, sounds. Like if I find whoever did this to me, I'm going to disembowel them kind of sound. Yeah. You're, you're, you're going to die instantly. Like that's what it sounded like. And oh my so, goodness. and so finally, you know, and it's like starting to, starting to get kind of dark. And so finally it went, it went quiet. Like we knew it was dead. And it's getting dark. We were like, okay, I guess we put on that our headlamps, so like crawling, scary, crawling through the alders to go find. Oh my goodness! And, <laughs> and it was it was piled up, you know, 40, 50 yards into the alders. But it just that it that that's an experience that has, that you know has has stayed with me and will always stay with me and really taught me. I mean, it it it. it, it I became so fascinated with them. And also I've, I've hunted, hunted, you know, I've been fortunate to do a lot of cool hunts over the years and a lot of, a lot of big game hunting and, and a lot of different species. There's nothing like it with, Mm -hmm. with that. Nothing, nothing I could experience that, Mm. you know, would be like other than maybe hunting dangerous game in Africa or something. I mean, that's, it's just on a whole different level of anything that I've done. And, um, so, and to have that be your first bear yeah. hunt, it just, yeah. it ruined me for life. <laughs> yeah. How, so, so every, everyone listening to this now, including myself is probably like, okay, incredible story, first of all, but now you got two bears and you're a brand new bear hunter on the ground. You got a dress and everything else. Did you guys just have to work through the night on these two bears process, you know, like breaking them down and getting them packed so, up and everything. It didn't, it didn't take too long. I mean, I was, I was good at skinning and stuff by then and skinning, skinning, a skinning a bear isn't, isn't 
that you know I, I probably we probably spent an hour and an hour and a half skinning the grizz and 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 I knew that so the the black bear we harvested the meat and and um in the and the grizzly you're not required to harvest any meat and and my buddy was like you don't want to eat grizz like as far as most Alaskans don't don't keep grizzly meat just because it's they're far more parasitic and it's not as good meat as as black bear um and uh where mo- as most Alaskans consider black bear you know delicacy mm-hmm. um so especially certainly fall or spring black bear as opposed to fall when they're just feeding on salmon sure um so but this this was a fall hunt and and um so the um but you know breaking down the grizz it didn't, didn't take that long but we um you know packing out two bears in the dark and after you know yeah. through the alders and stuff like it was it was it was intimidating you know it was Oh, yeah. especially at that you know experience level as far as in the bear woods and you yep. know being in you know this just grizzly dominated river and um so but we we made it out of there and it was you know it was a, a late late night and uh but we I, i'll never forget the feeling of making it out of there just being like oh i bet yeah i'm a, i'm alive this is <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i would be thinking that too man i'd be thinking that the second i survived that trip back to the alders there <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so then you know the the next year um my my cousin came up and uh so he had a black bear tag he couldn't hunt grizz is a non-resident okay and um so and and i was you know the grizzly i killed was was it was not a and these are interior grizzly they're not coastal they're not Near sure. as big as the bears, but um, it wasn't a you know it was a it was like a five year old boar. It so wasn't, wasn't so these are these are gri- boar, these are grizz grizz you know like not, these are yeah these are like silver tip grizz interior grizz yeah yeah not yeah, the not the not uh, victim of the uh, name change right where they they group all brown bears as grizzlies now. This was this is way up in the interior yeah and so it's like definitely grizz and anatomically they're different than than the coastal bears for sure Hmm. um and actually they're the more aggressive i mean these these are these are the most dangerous species of bear on the planet is the interior grizzly man that's insane because they live in a harsher environment they don't have you know most of the year their food sources aren't as plentiful the coastal bears are just they've got all the food there on the coast and the beaches and stuff you know and so they're not and grant would you want to mess with the coastal bear absolutely not but as far as the the grizzlies you hear you know killing people it's 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 cold it's it's interior bears interior grizz yeah Um, they they uh they're to me they they uh are a haunting species you know to every hunter i think i anybody who you know anybody who isn't afraid of a grizzly like I, I just think they're probably not, they're probably not telling the full truth. You know, some people. Yeah. Now I do think you know I had this conversation with Eric Locker. Once you start hunting something, I think that diminishes your fear and instead yeah. turns it to a level more of respect than fear. Yeah. You know, like I used to have. So you know, of course, being a first gen hunter, I didn't start hunting till I was in my twenties. Um, but growing up, I would do out 
you know, outdoor trips and stuff with my, my family and we'd go, you know, canoeing up in the boundary waters or, or, uh, we actually, we did a lot of backpacking trips out in Southwest Montana. And, um, you know, I was almost as scared of the black bears as I was the idea of coming across a grizzly, like in Montana, of course, not in Minnesota, but in Montana. Um, but then when I went on this hunting trip, the only time I really felt fear was after I shot and missed that bear. And I wasn't sure if I missed or not because that 350 yards and, you know, those things are notoriously tough to track after, after hitting them as far as they don't, they, they, ble- they don't bleed like a deer. No, yeah. not at all. Yeah. And so I was a little afraid cause he was a big boar. I was a little afraid that, you know, like, yeah. Hey, now you're going after a wounded animal that can be, that yeah. could definitely kill me. But other than that, it's like, you know, I wasn't like, oh, I got to look over yeah. my shoulder or whatever, you know, whereas with a grizzly, you know, you like, yeah. you're walking in some, you know, at the right altitude where, or yeah. elevation where there's grizz. And then you're like walking into those, you know, stereotypical areas, you know, like a clearing or something like that, where they could be, you know, like that, that still bugs me. Have you noticed yeah. that though with with your hunting? Oh, oh yeah, and and I mean with with grizz, the difference you don't you don't have to provoke or make a grizzly feel threatened mm, yeah. for it to kill you. Whereas in general, you know, like even black in in Arizona recently, a, a, a guy was killed by yeah. an unprovoked black bear. Like it does happen, mm-hmm. but extremely rare as far as their you know the their their normal attributes. Um, a grizzly it's a totally different totally different that way and so and you used a good word haunting like that's mm-hmm. that's how it felt on that first hunt oh like, i bet the sound like it was just haunting you know and just the i'll never forget the the i i knew that bear was dead but the terror of going it crawling in there through the you know tunnels and the alders to go get it at dark i mean it was it was sheer You know, and yeah, and um, that, like I said, to have that be my first bear hunting experience, like that doesn't make you a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, nothing could. That's right. And so it, it definitely ruined me. And uh, the, and so the, the, the next year, I, I wanted to kill a, a really big grizzly, and uh, my cousin came up, and and I, the weather was really bad. I, I ended up only saw one like small grizz that i that i passed and uh but my cousin killed a uh a six foot ten black bear wow at, that's huge again at like seven get like seven eight yards in the alders in front of us we were actually up, up on this embankment right before dark watching and the bear poked out for a sec and and he couldn't get set up quick enough for a shot or wasn't you know it wasn't it just happened really fast and disappeared again and we're like, oh crap, he's gone, and hoping he would come back out. Well, a few minutes later, the alders right down below us just start shaking, and the bear plops oh. out on the ground right in front of us, and he just he just let the air out of that bear. I mean, he was shooting a three hundred wind mag, <laughs> and at seven yards, double shouldered it. That bear, and and it's cold and almost dark. We we could just watch all this all the hot air blow out of that bear just wow. out of the lungs. I mean, it was insane. Yeah. And then, you know, going back to, you know, the, the idea of being, you know, it, 
after that first experience and having like the, the idea of Grizzlies didn't really scare me, but what I want to be like, you know, you're going through the alders or whatever. Like right. There's plenty of, there's so much you can't control, no matter how much respect you show for that animal, there are elements you can't fully yeah. control. And so we were, we were way down river. It was dark. The night's really short. It's like a three hour, three hours of darkness. And we have this bear to take care of. We're like, well, by the time it's going to be light by the time, almost light by the time we get back to camp. So we just stayed on the riverbank that night. And every, every time we heard a, you know, salmon splash in the river, we're oh, shining our goodness. lights and a little frantic and, and wondering, you know, what was around each corner or if something was going to, you know, come up behind us in the alders. So we had, we were, you know, back to back all night with our lights, you know, oh, man, and we yeah. were in, we were at the safest spot we could be up on this embankment. We would have, we would have seen something coming from a little ways away unless, unless it came directly behind us in the alders. So, but the, you know, so that, that, um, yeah, a little bit of, little bit of terror and, and you gotta, you know, the gri- grizzly hunters gotta be a little bit of, of an, an adrenaline junkie. Oh, so yeah, no doubt about that, man. What a, <laughs> What a crazy, crazy, you know, introduction to it. But man, the 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 sound that it's making, the seeing all of its fury coming out of that river and everything that that would probably get me hooked for life too. It'd do one of two things: it'd make me like I'm never doing this again, or it would it'd be like, man, I have to experience, I have to experience this again. Yeah, you'd want to do it again. Yeah, yes. yeah, I bet I would. <laughs> <It> was... <laughs> yep, I bet I would. It it would be you know, so be incredible. Yeah. So with you know after that, I, I I left Alaska, had to kind of move on with life and finish school and stuff, and and so bear hunting was was really like this itch that I couldn't scratch for a mm-hmm. lot of years. Did a little bit of bear hunting in Arizona, spot and stock hunting. It's really tough hunting didn't have a lot of time to devote to it saw some bears my once called in a huge bear predator call that my that my cousin got a shot at and and it was it was it it winded us and was moving it wasn't an easy shot so but it was a giant giant bear and um and uh and that's arizona is a really unique place to hunt bears it's hard hunting and uh, in the fall they they come down into the into the lower elevation for the prickly pear cactus. Okay, they gorge yeah. on those prickly pear fruits. And so you can be hunting bears in hundred degree weather in August with, you know, like where there's more rattlesnakes than anywhere in the planet. You know? And so did a little, little bit of that. Wish, wish I could have done more of it. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, so saw quite a few bears and stuff, but never, never killed a bear in Arizona. And that was, that's when I was in law school and starting my career. Okay, so yeah. I, I didn't have, I didn't have any time to devote to it. Right. And so, um, and then as soon as, um, so in, uh, the end of 2018, I moved, moved to Utah and I work, I've worked remotely since then. Um, okay. so I'm still practicing attorney, but I work remotely and don't, you know, I don't go to court. I don't do any of that. And, uh, so it's my, my lifestyle slowed down a little bit. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and yeah. so I'm like, all right, it's time to, it's time to, you know, 
do some serious bear hunting. And so I, I booked my first, um, hunt for Alberta that I wasn't able to go on for quite a few years until this year. Um, but then I did, I did, um, two different guided hunts, um, bait hunts in Idaho. One of them was not good. (laughs) And so, you know, people that say baiting's easy. Well, this is a fully outfitted hunt and, you know, I hunted for, for almost a week and never had a shot at at a, at an ice bear, you know, so saw a couple of really small bears that I would not have wanted to shoot. And so the next year I went back and, um, did a lot of put, did a lot of research and talked to a lot of different outfitters and, and picked a good one. And, um, an area with a lot of bears, not known for, a lot of areas in Idaho aren't known for producing giant bears, even though there are some huge bears in, mm. in Idaho. And we actually, my, my buddy killed a huge one this year. But That's awesome. Um, so that was the second hunt where I killed two bears in one night. It was actually on that second baited hunt, which was not, I mean, that's like the second, that, that outfitter kills 70 bears a year. It's like the second time they've ever had that happen. Yeah. You know, so I killed, I killed, um, a really, not a really decent boar, um, at like seven o'clock in the evening and 30 minutes later, the big dominant boar came in and actually grabbed that dead bear and threw it through the altars. Holy and then, cow. and I mean, it was, it was, so it actually came up right behind. I was in a ground blind and in about a hundred yards below the bait up this really steep hill. And, um, and so the, the day before I got there, when they were checking the cameras and stuff, the big boar had attacked the ground blind. And so they're like, you know, this is like on his trail. And so I, I killed that bear. And, and a little while later, I heard something right behind me, behind the blind. And it, it, and I knew it was a bear. I heard it. I heard it grunt. I heard like a twig, uh, you know, in, in, it's amazing that how quiet bears are and can be like, they can be, they can just move silently when they want to. And so that bear was right there. So I'm, I'm reaching for my pistol thinking I'm actually going to get a chance to use this thing. This is insane. That You know, it's bear going to collapse the blind on me. And, um, and so then it, 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 it disappeared. And 10, 15 minutes later, I hear it grab, my boar and it's a, and, and this wasn't a little boar i mean it was like a six foot two boar that i'd killed it grabbed it and launched it through the alders just Man. crushing alders and so then i a few you know another 10 15 minutes he was real cautious and slow approaching the bait finally stepped out and and shot him with a 300 rum and ended it quick so so that was that was my first successful bait hunt and, um, was, was pretty, um, I mean, pretty fortunate. <laughs> so that's yeah. not, that's not normal. Yeah. That's, that's, that's another incredible encounter, man. Just, uh, quite the stories you've uh, been able to pile up through the years of hunting bears. But, you know, one thing in <clears throat> long time listeners might roll their eyes. Cause I always ask this question, but I, 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 I think you're probably a good person to ask. I mean, maybe you haven't had very many grizzly encounters in the lower 48, but 
um, uh, have you noticed, you know, you hear people t- say anecdotally, the grizzlies in Alaska are different than the grizzlies in the lower 48 because they can be hunted in Alaska. Whereas in the lower 48, they've kind of lost their fear of man because they've been protected for so long. And, um, they've never, you know, had to fear, fear the hunter. Have you, have you seen that or to have any opinion on that? I haven't, I, I have not, um, interacted with any grizzlies in the lower 48. Hmm. Yeah. So, I would love to, but, um, so yeah, but I, I would, I would say that, that I, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. I would doubt it because they, they are, they're smart animals, you know? Yeah. And so, and, and from my experience hunting grizzlies, they, in Alaska, they can be very skittish. I mean, you're making too much noise on the river. They're not going to come out. Like hmm. they definitely, you know, they, they're, they're smart and they, they're, um, you know, and then, and then it's like, you go, you go set up somewhere on a, a spot on the river with good visibility and, and sit real quiet and the wind is in your favor. And, you know, then after a while, boom, they pop out, you know, but, yeah. um, they can be when they want to be, you know, so there, there probably is some element of truth to that. And, um, sure. the, you know, the, the grizzly that I, that I harvested this last fall, um, the one that you saw on, you know, the, on bear hunting magazine. Yeah. Uh, so that was my first trip back to Alaska in over 10 years. And, mm. uh, and actually in, it'd been tw- 12 years. Um, and my, my brother-in-law, um, moved there two years ago and, and um, almost three years ago now. And, and so he got residency and non-residents cannot hunt grizzly without a guide. Um, unless you have a resident relative within the second oh, okay. degree of kindred, which is a sibling, a parent, it, not even a, not even a cousin or aunt or uncle wow. has to be like, so my brother-in-law qualifies. So when okay. he moved up to he grew up hunting deer hunting. You know, I he would take him deer hunting and stuff when he was mm-hmm. in high school. And uh, so I'm like, dude, that just just has to happen. Like, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so he, he he was excited. He wanted to, and um, so that's that's how I was able to finally go up. Because yeah, I even even though I'm an attorney, that doesn't mean I'm rich. And, yeah. and <laughs> grizzly grizzly hunting those twenty five to thirty five thousand dollar hunts that is a rich man's game. And oh yeah, way too rich for my blood. So yeah, uh, it's you know it's something that's uh, for most people is unattainable. And and yeah. even for me, I couldn't ever justify spending spending that money that kind of money that's that's like my my kids going to college you know so um yeah so that that's how i was able to go back up and do that but on that hunt seeing the you know the even the the bear that i killed knew something was up and was very very hesitant to step Mm. out into the river for a while it was it just seemed like forever you know and, and everything was just right Everything was just right, and yet he was, you know, convinced that something was up, and and it was a big, mature bear. It wasn't, you know, a young, nervous bear. It was just a, it was just a mature, smart 
bear that kind of thought something might be up and was yeah. gonna and and finally felt you know secure enough to step out into the river and and give me the shot so that was um and uh the the night before we we saw what i think was the same bear right at dark and he just was on the edge in the alders and i mean i, I watched him through my zeiss scope like i mean i i could have could have shot him in the you know through the head it was wow. like the only and i wasn't gonna i wasn't gonna take do that shot on a grizz and and um so um he never would step out I actually watched him through my scope pull a big sockeye out of the river in, oh in that is cool that yeah. is really cool so it about 120 yards and it wow. was it was incredible and uh, so he never stepped out and offered a shot that night and that was like right at dark too and yet he was cautious you know yeah so um so it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if the if the the grizz and you know the in idaho and montana here in the lower 48 if they um yeah have less fear of man because they haven't been hunted and and they're and and i hope i hope that they are hunted soon yeah you know they're yeah that's another biggest controversial issue but oh yeah but there's enough of them they were you know the the original reintroduction you know they they what, what the plan was for them to once they reach you know the the um uh target population that they would the states would be in control of management and so yeah. that's the tied up in litigation and i think that i think that hunters think that we're going to ultimately prevail on that but man they just they keep coming up with new yeah, things stalling 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 to stall it and they get you know they go judge shopping and and um so hopefully we because there, there's too many of them and i mean yeah. they're they are there's there's schools in Mon elementary schools in montana that have bear fences around them that's crazy <laughs> That's crazy. But, and and After, uh, yeah, a, a, a kid from from Cedar City, Utah, where, where I live, um, was up in Cody, Wyoming last year. Um, he and his buddy were shed hunting. They're they're college wrestlers. Did you hear mm -hmm. about that? Yes, were, yes, I did. Yep, yep. And they fought that yeah, thing off. Were, yeah, that was an unprovoked bear attack. They think it. They think it was a sow, maybe with a cub. Okay. Um, but they, they were, um, they had a friend with them that had a sidearm, but they didn't, they didn't have sidearms. And, um, the, the, the Grizz just grabbed the one kid and started attacking him and <clears throat> just heard the screams. And I mean, this, it really is just one of the most incredible stories. Oh yeah. In courage I've ever heard that that kid ran to his buddy and jumped on the bear to save him and he took the he got mauled far worse Man. than his buddy saved and um so his and his friend would have would have and and i think when he when he was interviewed he was like i don't regret a thing i would i'd do it again in a heartbeat you know yeah so it's pretty cool but that was an unprovoked yeah attack and and um you do you do hear about it in alaska too the the area the area pretty close to where I hunt um, a few years ago, you know, a hiker was killed right in there. And, 
Yeah. And I mean, that, that sort of thing happens about every other year there yep. in the Alaskan interior. So, um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's good to, it's good to hear your perspective on that. And I totally agree. We need, uh, we need to start hunting them again in the lower 48 and I mean, do so smartly. We don't want to see the population go away again, like it, it had, but, but definitely, you know, it's, it's part of, it's part of what we do to make our wildlife management make sense. We, we apply hunting to it. And so, uh, I absolutely, well, real quick here, before we wrap this one up, Travis, um, you're clearly a very seasoned bear hunter. I would even say an expert bear hunter. Um, if you had, we'll just go with spot and stock here because I think that's probably what, like if somebody like I did said, you know what, I want to hunt bears. That's probably the easiest like DIY way to do it. You know, you don't have to get hooked up with a guide who's been running a bait site or, or something like that. You can just buy a tag go out west to a unit that's got a good number of bears and yep. and get going. So if you just had like, I'm going to limit you to three here. If you just had three tips um, that you would give somebody for spot and stock bear hunting, um, what would they be? So um, first, first tip would be, I would, I would go to Idaho or Montana. Okay. You know, and, um, and put in, you know, put in, put in the time, the research and, and fine. And, uh, and then, um, no, number two is, uh, get your butt in shape because yep. yep. that hunt will, it's, it, it can be almost like a sheep hunt, you know? Wow. Um, so it will, it will kick your butt. It kicks, it kicks my butt and, and on these bait hunts, usually we're not hiking super far we're just packing sure. a lot of weight you know i'm a so i've been i've been working on that for the last couple of years and still got some some you know room for improvement but we're um so yeah get yourself in the best physical fitness you possibly can because it's going to be harder than and especially you know if it's guys from the midwest and yeah you're you know, and you're not you're not used to hiking in the yeah. mountains and uh, the elevation. I mean, I live at almost six thousand feet, and I go up and bait bears at eight thousand feet, and I'm like, crap, you know, yeah. just the just a little difference in elevation. But if you're going from, you know, low elevation up to, you know, six to eight thousand feet bear hunting, that's it's gonna, you know, and you're not in shape, you're gonna really struggle. So um, it's yeah. so I, 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 you know, I'm not trying to be a hypocrite in this because i'm not perfectly physically fit by any means it's i i can i can speak from personal experience and suffering <laughs> that, I, that i put myself through trying to be successful that well, that's the get, best kind of testimony there that you got to be in shape and then and then number three is is good optics and mm. and and be able to shoot across Canyon, you know, mm. um, and shoot, shoot it, shoot a, shoot a Magnum rifle. Okay. So going to buck the wind, you know, and, and something you, you, you lessen your margin of error on, on bear. Um, so it's, um, that's, I'm a big advocate of, 
you know, I, I, I like to shoot calibers that are going to put them down and, and, uh, and cause nobody wants to go tracking a wounded bear and they will, yeah. you know, so, um, but, but That's you know, those, point. those hunts out West, yeah. Like you, you know, you're, you're shot 350 yards like yep. that, you know, that's going to be pretty much your normal. I mean, may, you know, maybe you can get within 200 yards, but most places you glass up that bear, it's, you, you may not be able to get within four or 500 yards. Yeah. So, um, so know your weapon, don't, you know, um, and know, know, know your limitations and, um, and use, use good optics. So yeah. good op and know your weapon. Yeah, that's so, a great, great advice. More, more, than, more than three tips in little long oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we got to have you back on in the future because this has been a super enjoyable podcast. Um, I feel like I could talk with you forever, man. I wish we lived closer and we could uh, do some hanging out. But um, yeah. yeah, this has been this has been so good talking. Great stories has me uh, more and more excited to get back out and chasing after bears again, hopefully next, next spring. Although, you know, maybe uh, you could get out to, or I could get out to uh, Colorado or something this fall and get a mule deer tag and all, then, it, then I can buy a, uh, or maybe you have to have an elk. I can't remember if you can do well, a deer. Yeah. Mule deer or elk. And okay. they, and they, they lowered the non-resident uh, bear tag cost. So, cause there's no, oh, nice. there's, hunting in colorado and things they i mean they colorado's got a lot of bears and yeah some, that's what i hear and some giant bears and they need more of them killed so if you're if you're hunting in colorado in the fall in just about any any mountainous unit get a bear tag it's only a 100 bucks and and if you don't have one in pocket you'll probably run into a giant so yeah yep well i'm definitely if i end up out there this fall i'm definitely buying a tag and yeah. um in some ways i'd almost rather kill a bear than an elk or a or a uh, mule deer as cool as they are there's just nothing like bear meat i mean yeah. it's just so delicious but yeah but um man. To, yeah we'll have to talk colorado another oh, time yeah. oh yeah reason seen seen a few bears in colorado and haven't killed one yet but had some cool some cool experience well i will Love, definitely i will definitely be uh picking your brain on that before i uh before i head out there just to get your advice on that but man it's such a good time hearing from you uh how can listeners find you on uh instagram yeah i'm i'm on um instagram just just wilderness lawyer so um, pretty, pretty easy, kind of cheesy. I'll put a, no, it's good. I like it. I, I think it's, I think it's an awesome name and, uh, yeah. I'm going to, uh, post a, uh, uh, the handle in the show notes on this. So if you're listening and you want to know how you can follow along, you, you should, you should follow Travis. The content is fantastic. Kills a lot of bears and, uh, somebody who's very passionate about what he does and some great footage and photography to go with the storyline. So, Definitely uh, be be following along with Travis, and uh, don't forget too if you're listening to this, 
Uh, the First Gen Hunter podcast is presented by Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge can help you with your mapping needs. If you're wanting to go out west and, and do some hunting and need some mapping, uh, you can use Spartan Forge. I just use Spartan Forge to keep my wife and I from getting uh, lost, hopelessly lost on some uh, national, uh, um, some federal land, I guess you'd say. Um here uh this last week we went up to northeast iowa and we asked hey how do you we went up to the effigy mounds national monument we asked the park rangers hey how do you get over to this one specific uh uh you know uh grouping of mounds and like oh okay you drive down this road and you turn into this little lot and it'll look like it's a closed off trail and you can't go there there'll be like a gate in front of the trail but you can definitely go in there well, we did that, and we thought we were in the right spot. Turns out, I don't think we were supposed to cross this gate. I don't know. It was it, it was definitely the wrong trail, and it felt like we could end up being lost. We never did go off of federal land, so that's good. So it's not like we were trespassing or anything. Mm. But but um, uh, we get in there, and we're like, man, the map that, that we got from the museum is not lining up very well. It sort of is, but isn't quite – what do I do? I pull up Spartan Forge and we get it figured out. And we're like, yeah, this is not the right spot. And thankfully we were able to navigate back to the vehicle. But, but, um, you know, using an app like that can really save your bacon in the woods or, uh, during the deer hunting time of year, you can use the deer behavior prediction side to help you know which days you should be out of the deer stand. Remember all that data comes from radio collar data and is applied specifically to where you live so uh you take that uh you look at that and factors in all the weather data and everything else and uh, just a, a tremendous help there for its users of course you have to subscribe to those features but you can go to the website which is uh listed in the show notes or in my uh, link tree on instagram and uh, you can download spartan forge for free and then just subscribe to the extras like the deer behavior prediction if you need to. But there's so many great mapping tools. Uh, I use it all of the time. And uh, for more than just hunting, too, as I just said, it could be hiking. I actually used it to mark a really, really good trout fishing spot that we found and plan to return to in the future. And uh, I've can uh, you can even use it uh, for stuff at work like I do quite a bit as well. So definitely... Get on board with Spartan Forge. And again, you can find those links in the places that I mentioned. Then, of course, Alex Gruen, who uh, often co-hosts, but has been very busy lately with the hunt planning, which should give everyone a little bit of extra, like, urgency to get on with Alex if you are not yet signed up with Alex. <clears throat> Any of these bear hunts that uh, Travis has talked about tonight, Alex can help you get into a similar hunting situation. Um, he, he's been there. He's done that. He, I know Alex has killed a bear in Idaho and, uh, he's definitely hunted for bears in Montana and, uh, he's hunted Alaska. He's hunted, uh, of course out in the East coast as well. He's hunted elk all over the place, including down in Arizona, which is, you know, the ultimate place to hunt elk. And uh, he's he's done it all. And so if you need help planning a hunt like Travis's, talk to Alex. Use that promo code FIRSTGEN10 when you go to his website, uh, eastwesthunts.com, and that promo code FIRSTGEN10 will save you 10% off of that and uh, can help, you know, 
save you some big time bucks on your uh, next hunting trip and you can roll that into you know other things that you're going to need to make that trip happen so again eastwesthunts.com promo code first gen 10 and you'll get those 10 percent savings on any service you book through alex well travis thank you so much man for coming on the podcast tonight it was just fantastic talking with you i feel like we could talk for hours man <laughs> so many great yeah. stories i'd love to hear yeah. all the other ones we definitely are going to have you back on the podcast if you want to do it again sometime uh, you did a great job so uh yeah. thank yeah, fun yeah thank you again man and thank you to you listeners uh those of you that have been reviewing the podcast really appreciate it if you haven't done that yet please do so um that just helps spread the word on the show get more people listening uh to the podcast and hopefully learn how to hunt uh a little bit better and uh get those those great stories from guys like travis who've been doing it for a long time have been doing it well for a long time so uh definitely please do that if you haven't yet but otherwise you know what i'm going to say until next time everyone take care and take someone hunting <laughs>